We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, the offseason is here for everyone, not just the Brewers, as we have reached November 2nd as we record, November 3rd as you listen to this. The Texas Rangers have defeated the Arizona Diamondbacks in five games to win the 2023 World Series. The first World Series in the history of the Texas Rangers. That leaves five teams without a World Series victory to their names. That would be the San Diego Padres, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Seattle Mariners, the Colorado Rockies, and yours and my Milwaukee Brewers. I have a bit on the World Series uh, briefly in a moment, but first I'll turn it over to you, Adam. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to today when... A new team will hold the title of the oldest franchise not to have won the World Series because that title has changed now to the Brewers, and I think we should, you know, we should collectively make it our business to ensure that that changes again very quickly. I agree with that. Um, honestly, though, it was a feature in my fandom and in, in this journey and me hosting this podcast and becoming a fanatical Brewers fan because. When that moment happens, Adam, you know, we've 
us both of us big strapping men with tears in our eyes just like uh celebrating the uh brewers uh world series when that day comes i think you mix us up with someone else uh it's fine um no one met me at the watch party they don't have to know um world series was good and bad uh had a really tight game one that the rangers won diamondbacks clawed back in game two with a 9-1 win 3-1 rangers win in game three 11-7 uh rangers win in game four which was a blowout for most of it and then uh zach allen was great for six innings um and game five looked like he was going to put the Diamondbacks on his back. Nathan Eovaldi just kept getting out of trouble uh, to match him. Like, base runners on seemingly every inning for Eovaldi, and he did what he d- does in the postseason and finds a way to get to an outing. Scattered nine uh, base runners, I think, four hits, five walks across the six innings. Gallon goes six and third, allows a run after a Corey Seager ball that hit the end of his bat got through the left side of the infield that was vacated. Evan Carter, the 21-year-old rookie, uh, ropes a double to the wall, and then they eventually get the run. So Rangers close it out in a game that uh, they tacked on runs late. It was still a one nothing game going into the ninth, and the Rangers added four in the ninth to put it out of reach. I want to say something, Adam. I want to I get something out of the way now. Um, I'm retiring a bit on this podcast. Uh you you and I are both fans of the No Laying Up podcast, and you know on that podcast when someone has a take go awry or says something incorrect, which often comes on the Trap Draw podcast, as uh, TC and Randy try to bite off more than they can chew, uh, chew in terms of the topics they discuss, they'll issue a mea culpa and an apology uh, for that error. I'm going to issue this mea culpa to Merrill Kelly for you know continuously mocking him in. Uh, the season uh, because of his world baseball classic performance in the final game. Uh, You know, it was a bit more along the lines of like, how did the U S reach this point that this is who we're counting on uh, in the biggest game possible against Japan. But you know what? Merrill Kelly's great at him. His uh, age 35 season just turned 35 a few weeks ago, three, two nine ERA across the regular season, just nails. I saw him, I think throw, Seven innings against the Brewers in June. Just did a great job in that start. That uh, I think it was the same start where uh, Corbin Burns didn't pitch well, but I can't remember exactly. Um, and he came up big in the playoffs for uh, the Diamondbacks across his 24 innings, a 2-2-5 ERA. And uh, I just want to say shout out to you, Merrill Kelly. Uh, I mocked you for too long, and that was unfair. You know, you had a you have a great career story. Uh, you were drafted um, in the eighth round by the Tampa Bay Rays in 2010. You worked your way to the majors, I think, with a few teams. Pitched as a Durham Bull for a while. Ended up uh, going to uh, uh, Korea to play in KBO for the SK Wyverns, I think was their name at the time. I think they've been rebranded. And then he lands with Diamondbacks in 2018 has the career that he's having now. And uh, I just want to say, you know what? Shout out to you, Merrill Kelly. I was I was wrong to mock you. I was wrong to mock you. And I actually did make his MLB debut at the age of 30 in 2019, it looks like, or his age 30 season anyways. So hard-fought journey to this path or to this landing spot. And you know what? Great job, and I'm sorry. Uh, that's very big of you. 
I wasn't expecting that much Merrill Kelly to begin with, but I'm glad that you've <laughs> you've made up for you know your mocking over many many months. Listen, I re-listened to a lot of our podcasts uh, to like as game tape, and so a right. lot of times when I was doing that when we released them, I was like, man, I'm really laying it on thick with Merrill Kelly here. So I just wanted to you know I wanted to write the wrong that I'd done. That's fair. No one could ever say you're anything but fair. I think that's that's an important thing to be. So we kind of too many complaints like that. Let's pour one out for the snakes generally. Snake Timber was great. Snake Tober was great. You know, just right at the end, just couldn't get it done. The Texas Rangers was to finally shovel them in the dirt. I think they'll be back. I, I've I felt like some of the coverage of them has been a little bit dismissive in a way that like kind of mocking them just not getting it done if like sure the reality of this is this could be their one chance they may never get there um there's also every chance that they may be set up to get back here pretty regularly and they could be just a couple of good moves away from honestly entering next year as not one of the favorites, because the favorites will probably always depend as the big money teams who fell in their face this year. But like right in that mix, like the strides they've taken and what they've got with Corbin Carroll in particular, they're no joke. And to have got that far and to have fought as hard as they did overall throughout the playoffs, we don't need to be reminded of where they came into this on as, you know, the underdog in a wildcard series. I don't think you can give them anything but great credit. And I think where their roster is at, they only look like they're set to get much, much better for me over the years to come. Yeah. And they're a team that was very well served early in those short series um, because they have the two horses on the mound in Gallon and Kelly. And then obviously those guys didn't pitch as well in the Philly series, but they still managed to win it in seven. They, I really wonder if they're going to be aggressive on the, uh, pitching market, uh, because you've got uh, be a Gallon Corbin Burns Kelly. team. Honestly, I mean, yeah, Brandon they might Fott have really they might have more incentive than most to be like, you know what? Maybe we really need to go out. I mean, not that Corbin Burns showed them a whole bunch of a playoff setting that would make you be like, this is the answer to all of our problems, but they have the opportunity where maybe they do feel a need to be those kind of levels of aggressive when it comes to starting pitching. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Fott really figured something out in the postseason. I know towards the end of the regular season, he changed his position on the rubber. That seemed to make a big difference. But if you've got uh, another key cog in the rotation, um, you start to look pretty damn formidable. Obviously, both teams um, were kind of struggling in that game four uh, to figure out who was going to be on the mound. And we saw the the bullpen game uh, go much better for the Rangers because they got – much more out of Andrew Heaney than the Diamondbacks out of uh, their bullpen strategy. But anyway, that's a wrap on the 2023 World Series. Now we look ahead to an offseason without baseball. And, uh, I mean, uh, an uncertain offseason for the Brewers, but they are starting to lock in. Underway. So, I mean, there's no, yeah. there's, this is the thing. There's no long offseason. There's no long drought. We're already underway in doing deals, Andrew. Yeah, we are already just moving and shaking and before we get into the deals of it all or yeah deals is is accurate there are a couple in there uh i wanted to just run through something i sent you 
earlier, Adam, just to kind of keep our eyes on uh, what we have ahead of us. Obviously, today, November uh, 2nd, free agency begins for eligible players. Uh, this means they're removed from the roster the club they finished 2023 with. We're able to re-sign with that club, but can't sign with a new team for five days. Trades of players on the 40-man roster are now permitted again for the first time since the trade deadline. November 5th, we're going to have the Gold Glove winners announced. Maybe Carlos Santana will make us happy. November 6th, after the five-day wedding period, free agents will be eligible to sign with any club. Also, the deadline for club options, player options, opt-outs, and mutual options. Also, the deadline for clubs to decide whether to issue qualifying offers to eligible players. So non-tender season and tender season will be in full effect. Uh, tender season isn't just when uh, a Raising Cane's opens up in, in your neighborhood as is happening. Uh, that's a chicken tender restaurant in, in the United States, Adam. That's uh, very popular, apparently. Um, Not November like 7th... a pop-up event for the, the Brian De Palma movie? Uh, no, but we can we can pair those together in a you know sponsored content if, if you'd like to put on a showing somewhere, Adam. Um, November 7th through 9th, the general managers meetings. And then, uh, you know, we'll go through the rest of these dates as they happen. So basically the next time you hear for us from us, will probably be after that, uh, non-tender deadline. Um, anyway, that brings us to the first move that the brewers have made of the off season. And, uh, one that is probably would have surprised me, um, a few weeks ago before the Brandon Woodruff news, but one that does not surprise me now, I thought this guy was going to go, uh, you know, take the good work that he had done and use it to secure maybe a multiple year deal somewhere else. But that has not happened. Colin Ray is back with the Brewers uh, for three point five million in 2024 with a 5.5 million club option in 2025 million dollar buyout. Uh, there are additional incentives tied to both 24 and 25. That is per Kurt Hogue of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, a move that I think is uh it's a uh, smart and a spot where the Brewers need um, starting pitching depth, especially at the beginning of the season, I'll say, because um, they expect to be quite thin in that area, especially if a Corbin Burns move materializes. Colin Wright did use up his final minor league option in 2023 per Kurt Hogue. So uh, obviously if, if he's on the roster, he would have to be DFA'd to get him to Nashville if they were making a move shuffling him in and out. But I like having Colin Ray in the mix going into spring training, knowing what we know about the lack of starting pitching depth uh, in the event of a Corbin trade. Obviously, the options would be uh, Freddie Peralta, Robert Gasser. We expect Adrian Hauser to be tendering a contract for similar reasons. Um, and then, you, as you keep mentioning, eventually Aaron Ashby uh, could factor in there. Um, but yeah, a move that makes sense on paper, given what we expect the uh, limitations to be given the Woodruff injury. Yeah. I mean, it seems weird to describe this as like a big domino because it's honestly a very small domino, but in terms of just giving a baseline of clarity, nothing else, just you're starting with clarity, important move. I think the other would be getting Wade Miley back. And if you do that, then you know, you've got some, you've, you've got a rotation mostly that's kind of, tried and tested it doesn't mean that Colin Ray is going to have bad games you know Adrian Hauser is going to have bad games that all of that is going to have to be budgeted for and it's going to look a little bit different this year than it has in previous years but if a Corbin Burns trade goes ahead and it's kind of you know everyone's moving up a spot in the rotation at least you've got that stuff covered and you've got something where it's like yeah we can go out there and be competitive 
we might just need to build this team a different way. We're going to need more from the offense. Like it's it's likely what the season is going to kind of build up towards, and I feel like we'll end up talking more about. It's just that's going to be the nature of the team that they're going to build this year, particularly if Corbin does end up traded. You kind of got to do this. There was probably some level of concern as to whether Ray, you know, may have just had his eyes set elsewhere, and whether that's if the Brewers weren't quick off the mark. He could have been a guy who was like, you know what. I've had success overseas. Let's go back overseas. I quite enjoy an element of that. He could have been someone who'd done enough to earn a shot for someone else. And they could have been pretty fast off the mark. So the Brewers clearly valuing him, needing him. That certainly forces the issue. And wasting no time, I think, is good news and very reassuring. This is not like you're getting an ace back in the mix next year. But it's a really, really important piece of just kind of stringing games together. He didn't let the Brewers down very, very often at all. And I think that's that's the key thing here. We we said it a lot, game to game, series to series. It's like, come around the mound, he was giving the Brewers a chance to win. He'd keep you in a game, and then you see where you are after four or five innings, and you get a chance to go after it. If other things work out, you'll come out of there with a win. And they're going to need a guy like that maybe more than ever next season. Yep, other news is... Pitchers that will no longer be Brewers, we assume, at least via the options. Uh, Decline club options on Andrew Chafin and Justin Wilson. Uh, so two left-handed bullpen pieces. One that uh, had ups and downs as a pitcher that actually got on the mound and another who got hurt in a bullpen in Atlanta and never made an appearance for the Brewers. So Justin Wilson and Andrew Chafin declined options and not particularly surprising at all. Yeah, I mean, Chafin worked some stuff out and looked better towards the end of the season, but not so good to erase what went before to make you feel super comfortable about this. So it's just not that surprising. Justin Wilson, God, I mean, he had no look at all. That was really, really, we're going to talk later as part of some of the best moments of the season. That's actually sneakily one of the more, you know, brutal moments, not necessarily the brewery season living and dying with it, but just on a human level for a guy. Like we talked a lot about Woody and when he got his injury in his press conference, that might be at the top of it. But Wilson working back from a long time off and then getting injured in the bullpen just before you come in. Tough, really tough stuff. Uh, another note as we uh, keep moving along the lines. The Brewers, uh, the Brewers don't have a manager? Play. Are we going to... The Brewers... We should We're probably get, get there. there soon. I The fact we didn't lead with the Brewers technically don't have a manager. Go on. Uh, I don't want to mess up your flow. You continue. I want to get the really important things out of the way first, Adam. The Brewers have claimed infielder Vinny Capra from the <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, yeah, nothing too much to say about that. 472 OPS across 21 plate appearances for the Pirates last year. Uh, spent most of his season uh, with AAA Indianapolis, it looks like. Uh, Frank Capra joke. Insert here. That's all I got on Vinny. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Um, as Adam noted, the Brewers do not have a manager right now. Craig Council is a free agent as his contract has expired. We know that he has interviewed with the Cleveland Guardians, and we know that either today as you listen to this or yesterday as we record this, he will have interviewed with the New York Mets, as John Heyman reported. Uh, For some reason, I thought that interview was happening earlier in the process when the Brewers had granted the Mets permission to speak with him, but I guess the formal interview had not been conducted yet. So now we go into the weekend, uh, probably extending this out into next week, the middle of next week, and we we see if Council can get the Brewers to raise that number, use the Mets and the Guardians, who had previously paid Terry Francona, uh, I think one of the higher sums uh, of salaries for an MLB manager uh, at the time. Uh, Yeah, so the waiting game continues. I don't think anything about this has been particularly surprising, kind of what we expected. It it still sounds like any reporting it does increasingly still feel like, you know, he's going back to the Brewers if the Brewers can make it happen. It it really does feel like like he's going out and he's he's taking this opportunity to go through this process in a genuine, sincere way. But I guess the changes the reporting has now gone to like he doesn't tend to manage next season. There's no there's no question yeah. like there once was over. Well, is he just going to you know pack up and go watch his son play college baseball? That does not seem to be what his plan is for next year. And with that, I mean, it does feel like probably the next best outcome for him would be to remain at home in Milwaukee and have that stable base. And maybe that gives him more opportunity to be involved in that from what has always been his home base. I don't know. I... I still feel like everything is suggesting that this is just going to be him back to the Brewers, but 
the concerning thing with that is the thing that can trip it up is just the price, since we won't know anything about it until a report comes out of a number and he's gone somewhere else. And that could still happen. It just, he is not acting like a guy who is desperate to go elsewhere. Um, he's acting like a guy who wants to see what his market value is and then wants the Brewers to at least be respectful of that and give him something in the ballpark. You know, I, I don't even think it's going to be a case. Like, it's probably worth noting. It's not like the Brewers are necessarily going to have to match or beat a Mets offer. I don't think that's necessarily the case. But I think if the Mets are the Guardians, who have a history of, you know, setting the, the league high mark for managers, if they're coming in at a certain level, the Brewers will at least be expected, and rightfully so by council, to just, you know, get in that ballpark, right? You can't be multiple millions below just being like, oh, but we're we're poor. You know, you can't put Rick Schlesinger up in front of him to, uh, like, gloat in his face about winning contract negotiations, get him a deal worth considerably less money. They, they aren't options here. You want your manager, you want one of the best managers in baseball, you want your homegrown guy, you're going to have to show him respect and that's that does seem largely to what this comes down to that's not to suggest that like council has ever felt disrespected but your contract's up it's your opportunity he's done a lot he's got a lot of credit in the bank and we talk a lot about how in a league that is not exactly always overflowing with good managers (laughs) every manager in fact probably has an upper limit on just how good they can be He's one of the better ones, and you gotta you gotta value that because if you value being the scrappy overperformer on your you know modest budget, there are certain places where you're gonna have to pay to make sure that continues. Manager is certainly one of them. Like if you let council go, and you don't get the right guy in next, this thing could just crash and burn completely, come off the rails. Uh, that's the the real kind of I think undeniable truth of this. The Brewers, in part, play a high-wire act that maybe the manager is more important to them than it is to many other teams as well because it's not necessarily always going to be that, here you go, we've just got all of the, the talent assembled. I mean, if we're being fair, that, that applies to the Brewers all across the board. You know, if you're a scout for the Brewers, you got to be really good. you got to be even better because you got to get the guys in the way you can afford them. If you're the GM, you got to get the deals done in a way that you could afford them. But I do think the manager is the person has to oversee all of that, run the show from day to day in the clubhouse and try to put out winning lineups. I think it's probably a bigger deal for the Brewers than it is for some other teams in baseball. So pay the man what's fair. And I I think he will be very kind of open to, yeah, that's reasonable. That's all I wanted. Let's sign the dotted line. Let's come back and let's do many more years here. If they don't, it's going to be a really, really bad look. I I mean, it could be an all-time bad look. It's going to create a real stink that's going to be tough to shake off. And that is not how you want to start this offseason. Just on all fronts, on a business front, on a fan sentiment front, on anything, like if this is to be the Corbin Burns gets traded offseason, if that's also the offseason where you lose your manager because you wouldn't pay him, you know, a million a year more uh, that's really tough to overcome, let alone, as I've mentioned multiple times, they are begging, you know, cap in hand 
Actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that. They're not. They're not begging. Again, Rick Schlesinger is being as smug as can be in trying to get money from the city and the state. They are not necessarily going with all of the grace and goodwill that when you are looking for public money to get your stadium done, to keep your team in town, that is not how they're carrying themselves. That cannot fly if you're not going to pay what it takes. And I'd need to hear Craig Council just flat out wanted to be the Mets manager or the Guardians manager, didn't care about the money. And I'd want to hear it from multiple sources and directly from him before I'd buy it. Because all signs and all reporting to this point have largely suggested, yeah, he kind of he kind of wants to go back there. It seems very much on the table still. Uh, Pay Craig Council what he asked for. Lock him in. One of the best managers in baseball. Uh, it's a no-brainer. You know, Wisconsin's native son. What are we doing here? Um, lives in Whitefish Bay, is that right? I believe so. Um, yeah, so bad look if you, if you don't pay him what he's worth. Brief aside, before we get into more positive about news, Rick, because I brought him up a couple of times now? I'm not going to mention any names, Adam. If I I'm, were an, I'm an, an, if I were an executive, just if I was an executive and I was going to be like the public face of kind of asking the taxpayer for money. You know, when I'm having these conversations and presentations and getting questions asked of me, I my number one goal, obviously his number one goal is to get what he's asking for. But, you know, I would have a secondary number one goal, which is to, you know, do everything in my power that while I'm doing this to not obviously come across as a complete dickhead. And fail. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, well, I will add to this. If people, maybe people have fortunately been tuned out and they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, you can just like, you could Google, you could go on Twitter, you could search Rich Schlesinger, I win. His I win comment is, I mean, there have been other things, but this is really the one that I just thought. I've seen the books go through this process not long ago. And we're all in agreement. There's just something fundamentally wrong with sports teams doing this. It's all kind of a sick exercise. If anyone, and if the Brewers at their top level organization, think this is more palatable or people forget or you'll get off the hook more for approaching it in the way they are right now, for as opposed to, you know, currying favor, trying to build goodwill, trying to reinforce positive positive sentiment, not just among the elected officials who you're dealing with, but among, you know, their constituents, among the people of Milwaukee and Wisconsin. If they just think that doesn't matter, like, shut up, give us your money, or we're going to leave, there's something seriously rotten. And I honestly, I was as blown away as I've ever been by a sporting executive with that interaction and in that setting when your responsibility your role is to be there to be the public face and to help this thing along the road that you secure the funds to keep the team there to redevelop the stadium blown away honestly it probably didn't i know brewers fans it certainly made an impact people talked about it it probably didn't make enough of an impact just truly gobsmacking like uh, 
on a human level as a person to try and imagine organizationally what it must be like in a day-to-day sense to deal with that stuff if that's how in that setting on that like honestly really innocuous line of questioning based on you know all the kind of things that are going to be thrown at you there it was it was ridiculous so uh, the time is probably going to come where we'll really we'll do a full episode and we'll zoom in more on this but just that is the kind of the viral clip of the week and the thing that really reared its head talk about leaving a bad taste in everyone's mouth including your own fans who want to see the team stay in milwaukee just no one no one associated with the brewers could have watched that and done anything other than cringe so yeah good job rick schlesinger keep keep it up Great time to announce that unless my order gets blocked tomorrow when they go on sale i will be at the brewers uh new fan fest i can't remember what it's called uh in january but but is my ip gonna get blocked is my name gonna get blocked we'll find out um on to uh better news adam uh the brewers have a silver slugger finalist william Contreras was named uh, one of the finalists at catcher going up against sean murphy jt Romuto, and will smith seeing him among those names feels both something to like not be awed by but to be impressed by but it also feels appropriate based on the season they had and what he did largely at dh um in that season with atlanta um i think sean murphy's gonna win if i had to put money mm-hmm. on this but but Contreras being in the mix there um is really exciting and he deserves it and also one thing that we should definitely note while talking about this is the biggest loser in this announcement is the oakland athletics good point hadn't considered that um what what kind of races is uh S.A. Ruiz landed in? Um, keep talking and let me. He'd be good in the foot race. He'd be good in the foot race. We'll give him that. Uh, he would be good in the foot race. Let me find the final line for the first full season for S.A. Ruiz. Three oh nine OBP. Uh, three forty five slug for a six. 54 OPS, 88 OPS plus minus 0.2 baseball reference war, five homers, did have 67 stolen bases. So he's got that going for him. But I will take William Contreras all day long, all week long. Uh, Ooh, I need your love, babe, eight days a week. Yeah, it's not even to mention the other guys the Brewers got out of all that, but we don't need to do all that again right now. Um, Right. Yeah, let's let's hope. Maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised, but I think it's this is a tough one for Bill to win, but it's great to see him in this company. It's great. Like, any of the question marks that people wanted to throw at this trade, it certainly wasn't us a year ago, but any kind of doubt that anyone wanted to cast over what William Contreras would be, he just obliterated it all in year one, and this is pretty cool validation. Absolutely. Did I, did I miss anything that is like actually happening in front of us? Uh... You, you missed one. One important thing is that Brandon Woodruff has been doing some media this week. Um, ah, yes. He so both was Rowdy Tellez, but I have not gotten the chance to listen to that. So and neither have I. And Rowdy is my guy, but less pressing, honestly. Like Woody has been talking about his surgery. Um, he's been talking about his future, and even with that, like he's been. He's been getting asked questions and answering them, like about Craig Council and how Craig Council, how he feels about that, what he thinks Craig will do, how Craig should deal with the process. 
But most importantly, he talked in detail about his surgery, about the injury. Um, seems very upbeat. I think he is that guy. Like, what won't ever get away from me was he was that guy when he was delivering his reaction to his season-ending injury on the eve of the playoffs until the moment he broke down in tears. But he does seem very upbeat, was certainly painting a very positive picture. Um was saying it was a pretty standard tear. It wasn't something that was like a complete kind of tear off the bone as such where you've got all sorts of longer complications. He was being pretty responsible in the wait and see sense, but also outlining he does feel like he will pitch next season. Um, And he also, like, no bones about it, made it very, very clear he wants to be a Milwaukee Brewer. He wants to be a Milwaukee Brewer basically for the rest of his career. He's under no allusions to the situation. He knows there are challenges, there are complications that come from this. But as far as he's concerned, as far as what he wants to see happen, he wants to be a Brewer and he wants to get the chance to come back as a Brewer and be just as good as he was. And in his own words, if not even better. And I mean, in his own description too, I mean, maybe if we were doctors, we'd have known this. But it was interesting him describing, I guess, the connections between the injury he had earlier in the season to the injury that ends his season and how essentially when it all happened, it all blows up and you get the surgery, it should free him up. He also mentioned that while a lot of pitchers are guys who are constantly managing elbow problems, he has always been a guy where it's his shoulder that he's managed throughout his career. Um, and he he has a pretty good feel for when that is manageable, when it's not. And it's probably fair to say we saw that. Like he looked great right out of the moment where he couldn't go and he knew it. And yeah, things were bad. Yeah. Uh, what he also in that interview mentioned, you know, he was he was throwing a, a brisket on the smoker that day. So, you know, he's just like me for real. Uh, him and his wife dressed up as Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Uh, for Halloween, that's a very amusing photo, as you noted to me, Adam. Looking great with the stash, like which is gone. It's gone, by the way. Already. Oh no! No, he he said he was immediately once once the photos were done, once that day was done, it was gone, which is a pity because it looks great. Yeah, fair enough. I had a mustache for about a half hour this week, um, and uh, you can, you, know, you kind of it. still have one. I can see it. I mean. No, but it's it's paired with the like uh, five o'clock shadow, which is more like four days shadow for me. Uh, that's neither here nor there, as I often say on this podcast. Uh, yeah, you just never know about the shoulder. Uh, him describing it is in his mind, he's got a brand new shoulder and he just has to rehab it now. Uh, so he's got a great mindset going into it. I think the the two year deal pushing back free agency is just a no brainer for both parties. A you get to see what Brandon Woodruff looks like for 2025 if it takes the full time for recovery and you have a top of the rotation guy for that season, year one and a half, year two of Jackson Chorio, whatever that looks like and whatever the team looks like then. On the other side, say you are competitive, despite all the struggles, you have an offseason where you're able to add and keep enough and promote enough and get internal improvement to where you're a contender in the second half of the season and Woodruff can be a guy in the postseason that even if he's given you an inning or two or three innings or whatever it may be, that's kind of a wild card flipped into a contending, a contending teams mix. Obviously they will operate under 
like the full abundance of caution with Woodruff for obvious reasons. But, you know, that just just to reiterate our take about this whole thing, which is we want Woody back in the way that that makes sense for now. And then, you know, if we get the 10 out of 10, 100 percentile good outcome of this and he's here for years to come, I think that's something uh, on the field everyone should be thrilled with and on a personal level just uh loved uh the mindset that woodruff brings to the table and the give a fuck is another thing that i'll say because as you mentioned during that um press conference where he was saying i can't be out there and i want to be out there heartbreaking but also like run through a wall for a guy type of uh uh content 100 percent all right, we didn't talk about how we wanted to do this. Uh, we, got, we do five to one. That's it, and we shout out honorable mentions. Like we're we've okay, just we'll done do like on a the... different podcast a version like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we're uh, we're used to these kind of list countdowns. Sounds good. Uh, so we're gonna do our uh, five top moments of the season. Uh, I need to reorder them in my doc because they were not in my order. Uh, well, while you're doing that, across. Like... Let me ask you. So, and I I have done these like personally. I don't know if you're doing it this way. Like, there are obvious elements, and I'm aware also we could have some overlap on that. But there there may be to some extent moments that will rate. Um, we're not putting in nothing moments, or certainly I am, but right, that right. will will rate lower to some Brewers fans than they were to us because uh, we happen to be there and to soak them in, and you know pretty special points in the season as we'll as we'll talk some more about so for me i think mine are overall very much on the level i responded to them and i've taken this exercise like seriously and sincerely too like for example maybe maze is in your list it's a moment i love in the season but ready to clinching the playoffs is not in my top five because Sure, it's fun and it's a cool way for that to happen, and I love Rowdy, but that's not that's not it. In a moment, I had lots of really kind of standout, impressive highs, and the novelty of that is is certainly one of the more fun moments. But I I don't think it competes with the kind of the peaks of some of the other moments that I have to talk about anyway. For that reason, and because my list is the same way, uh, in the Discord, if you're in there, gspn.info. If you're not, join. We're on Twitter. What were your favorite moments? People listening to this, share them with us because as we've waxed poetically about on the season ending podcast, you know, we like sharing 162 games and two playoff games <laughs> with you. And uh, yeah, let us know what your thoughts were. So, Adam, I will assume I'll get back into my host chair, lock in. Adam, what was your fifth favorite moment of the 2023 Milwaukee Brewers season? Uh, my fifth favorite moment could potentially be like the most consequential of these in the years to come when we zoom out and we we look back on it. It took place on the 22nd of July. The Atlanta Braves were in Milwaukee and when Sal Freelich made his debut. And boy, oh boy, did Sal Freelich leave a mark. He made two incredible catches at the wall. Uh, He went tree for tree and came up with uh, a big RBI late in the game that ultimately 
proved the winner and it was a really kind of it's it's kind of even with a player like this or with any player in the level of anticipation we had for Sal it's rare for him to come up and him to have a game that kind of just feels like the textbook this is who this guy was supposed to be and who we were hoping he is and he's just out there like realizing all of it so many of his hits which were manufactured going with the the hit collector right was that Craig Council's nickname for him um it was which was very much earned when it's like he was golfing his ball basically he was just he was seeing these gaps i mean sometimes it was more tennis you know it's like forehand backhand he's just finding what he could he's hitting what's there and just so composed great great hands and then to be out in the field immediately making standout plays against prior to the playoffs the best team in the league this year to make that kind of impact right from the jump. Unbelievable. That's so, so much fun. And it really, like, he he hit a dip right at the end of the season, which is kind of inevitable for a rookie. But it also set off, like, a string of plays, a string of games, where it's just like, God, South Africa was must-watch TV very early on in his, his time in the big leagues. Like, if we're talking about, like plays of the year or things that are like burned in my memory. That catch where he threw himself into the netting to get the catch and he just like bounced back off it just remains one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Uh certainly the coolest thing I've seen on a baseball field. And so just not phased by the moment. Delivered. His his family in the crowd, not his not his mom. She got there the next day. She was looking after the dog. But his brother, his sister, his dad, if I remember correctly, and they're just loving it. Really cool moment, and like big prospect guy, we're excited for. And guess what? Goes delivers, looks as advertised. So much fun. That was my fifth moment as well. Um, Atlanta was bad in the playoffs, weren't they, Adam? I'd forgotten sure about were. that. Um, yeah, I think, like you said, uh, just the debut and the anticipation, especially after going down with that injury, uh, to start the season on the same day, I think it was, or like the same week as Garrett Mitchell, whenever that happened season that feels like so long ago the other added part i liked about it is obviously the crowd seemed electric like nearly forty thousand people there and just sal having them eat out of the palm of his hand with every uh hit and every great play also it being on homer simpson fox as i like to call it um and adam amin the lead broadcaster who weeks later would broadcast another sal freeland performance and they just put the stats with like this like when i'm in the building because a lot of as sports fans you have that broadcasters have it too uh sports writers have it too where you're like i'm in the building and for some reason every time i'm in the building this guy just goes with, off me with the brewers just generally right this is that too. Get to. it's like it people do have that or you know when it often happens with road players <laughs> certainly i think it might have happened for atlanta fans or like god this sounds really guy but where you'll see a guy like once every few years you might be at a game or a couple of times a year, depending whatever it is. And you're like, this guy's a world beater. You know, you see it across all sports. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was my five as well. Um, and um, I think it was just a, a great moment that we'll remember if Sal Freelick's career doesn't pan out. We'll, we'll be like, remember that? Remember when Sal Freelick just like had that hot start, that great debut. Oh man, wish he had panned out. Or if he is like a, regular starter in Milwaukee for seven, eight years, we're going to be like, 
Yeah, that that's when we knew we'll be telling telling our kids. Yeah, I, I knew it from the day they debuted. Sal Friedrich was going to be a player. Um, but yeah, uh, since that was not my number five, we'll go to you for your number four, Adam. I've got one on my list that we go to I, you for your. Uh, you let me go first on five, so we go first for your number four. All right, I've swapped mine out because uh, for a different one because I know there's one you're going to have on, and I wanted a little differentiation. There's one that deserved to make it, but. There's another one for me that in the morning after, as I was going back to watch, really uh, landed with me. Uh, and that was not the game where they clinched the division, but that was watching the post-game celebration in the clubhouse. That was Craig Council giving his speech. Um, that was Josh Donaldson calling Riley Telez his favorite teammate and everyone just dumping beer across one another. Uh, the interview with Willie Adamas where he's on the field talking and then he's like, oh, I got to pop over for a picture, pops over for the picture, then back to the interview. Like just after last year, obviously last year is our first season following this team. And we had high expectations in spring training during our first podcast. We thought, you know what, 2021, there was the playoff disappointment of losing in the division series, but they're going to run it back. And this year's going to be different. Um, they're going to make a deeper run in the playoffs. They're going to continue their trend of what does this era of Brewers baseball do? They make the playoffs, obviously 2018 lost in the NLCS, 2019 uh, lost in the wild card game, uh, 2020 in the COVID shortened season had a tough year, but you know, still made the expanded playoffs. And then we mentioned 2021 losing in the division series uh, to the Braves and said 2022, 86 and 76 missed the playoffs by a game, really two games with the with the tiebreaker. And we're sitting at home and watching everyone else get to prepare to watch postseason baseball and then play postseason baseball. And this year, they, you know, did what they were supposed to do in the regular season. They won the division uh, handily, thanks to the Cardinals having a down year, the Reds not being able to sustain their run, and the Cubs collapsing late. But the Brewers also, to an extent, in the second half, really went out and won it 92-70. and 70. And getting to see the players... Uh, had the celebration that I did not get them to see them have in the first season. Just reminded me of why I'm endeared to this team. And it was just more about me being happy for guys in the moment who had worked hard to get to this moment. Obviously, it ended poorly in the playoffs, but uh, it just reminded me of, you know, why I like this team. I'll definitely enjoy that more next year if we get it than I did this year. And I talked about that on the podcast, my first experience of it. And my feeling was this team is better than this and let's go and make some noise in the playoffs and in part by <laughs> just doing the complete opposite of that and it's showcasing you know it's just there's not the nature of this sport and sometimes it goes like that i probably will take more time to soak up and enjoy that next year in a way where this year it was quite i don't know i enjoyed it but it also it felt bigger than i wanted it to be because i wanted the celebrations to be, you know, a minimum that they won a series. I think that would have been really nice. It's the kind of thing that we want the team to build towards again, that they're winning playoff series. But I hope we're back in the same spot, clinching playoffs and winning the division next year, and we can get to we can get to take that in again, and then hopefully set a set a platform for something better too when it comes to postseason. Uh, number four for me. I believe is on September 11th, which is Brandon Woodruff's complete game shutout against the Miami Marlins. This is again, and we've just talked about Woody and this, oh God, it stings to be talking about this now and to be talking about what we didn't get because 
so much of this just epitomizes who Woody is as a pitcher, but also what the Brewers really badly needed when the lights ultimately ended up at their brightest, which is a guy who goes out there and shoves, goes about his business, and he loves the moment. It's something that people have talked about Woody for quite some time. I feel like Brian Anderson loves to do it more than anyone else, but the bigger the game, the more high tension the spot, the more high profile the opponent, the more likely you're going to get the best of Brandon Woodruff. And the thing with this game was something that makes it all the more enjoyable, but removes some of the tension in other ways is the Brewers absolutely blew the doors off the Marlins, a team who at that point, you know, you still have to kind of worry about. You're in the mix. They've got a lot to play for. Let's see exactly how all this pans out. Blew the doors off them, put up 12 runs. So in some ways that relieves the pressure, but in the other, you are the show. All the pressure's on you at that point. Woody had never done this in his career. He talked about feeling it. I'm really feeling it by the time he got to that ninth inning. But he delivered. Like, I think as Brewers fans, we come to expect 106 pitches, nine innings down. Allowed six hits, one walk. It was one of those, it wasn't even the very best of Woody we've seen, but he was really ramping up at that point in the season where you're like, he is dialed in. He is the secret weapon. He is going to be the key for the Roots to make a lot of noise. Unfortunately, fate had other ideas, but a, just a great moment for Woody, someone who we've already talked about. We both just really love to watch pitch, but I'll speak personally. It's just one of my absolute favorite players in this team, like right up at the very, very top end of that list. So seeing him get to achieve this, get a cool moment like that was really great. Yeah, that was the one that I removed from the list just to clear out of the paint and let you uh, isolate uh, everything I said about Woody after the interview uh, early in this podcast also relates to that performance and like especially obviously Adam I like to think uh, I like to think that I'm enlightened and that I, I understand you know taking care of players arms and you know I understand the need to remove a pitcher from a game at just the right time but part of me in my soul, wants to see a guy take the ball and just shove it up someone's <laughs> ass, and Brandon Woodruff did that. All right, so do we go to my number three? Yeah, I feel like we're going to be chalk from here. Um, maybe different order, maybe not, but I've got honorable mentions we could touch on too, so we might have some more moments to the mix, but give us your number three. My number three, sitting at American Family Field, with my good friend Adam, with my good friend Jordan Tresky, his lovely wife Amber, um, had joined us as well. A man sitting next to Jordan, also with a bag of bacon, it should be said. Um, uh, you know, the Brewers take on the New York Mets, a team that we thought was going to be very formidable this season. And, and now we've come to see that their entire strategy is to steal things from the Brewers. So, uh, you know. That's that's uh that's just what's happening. I'm have to be honest about things. Freddie Peralta on the mound uh, has a great day. Six innings pitched, two hits, no runs, seven strikeouts. But uh, the real just moment of the game, the Brewers up six nothing in the fifth. We thought things could not be going better. To the plate steps rookie second baseman Bryce Terang. Bryce Terang's season, you know, would would taper off with the bat eventually he would provide us great defense all year 
and make a play at least once a week that made us say, wow. But in this moment, he decided to deposit a grand slam home run in a right center field to make it 10 nothing. to put – the game was out of reach, but that really put it out of reach. Just celebrations in the stand, hold, holding back tears in my eyes, getting to see a home opener Brewers win. Bryce Serang's grand slam, you know, with me seeing my first Brewers game in American Family Field. Like we said, these lists are self-indulgent and about us for this, and that's why we want yours in the Discord and on Twitter as well. But, yeah, that Bryce Terang moment uh, with you in the ballpark, fantastic. Yeah, this is this is my number two. Um, just a, like, incredible. Like, it might honestly be the one... We'll talk about another moment. I know we'll talk about another moment where there's a sense of like shock that ran through my body. In this case, it's like the energy, like that stadium got loud, and there was a very particular energy that kind of pulls through it. And I watched back earlier on YouTube the moment that I'm like, God, yeah, that place was jumping because it was that old thing. I mean, you're playing a the Mets, a really good team at that point in everyone's reckoning. This is like big spenders coming into the mix. How are you going to start off your season to absolutely bludgeon them like this? And it was in that fifth inning where just the Brewers blew the doors off. And then you're in this spot. There's excitement. Rookies are up. Rookies are in the mix. But there's also, you know, that goes the wrong way. Honestly, too, if it goes the way that it did at points later in the season, if you don't have that positive momentum to start the year, the Brewer season could have been very different. They may not have got anywhere near the heights that they ultimately did. So to Bryce Terang step up, deliver like that in that moment, something that honestly is maybe even more special because we now know so much of that is pretty uncharacteristic of Bryce Terang as a rookie hitter was just spectacular. And honestly, I remember that as an all-time day to go inside baseball little i remember us trudging back not very far like 10 minutes to our hotel a hotel which was majority mets fans it must be said at that time um and us briefly going up chilling out in the room basically just basking what happened but also then watching the videos of like the interview that i feel like his mother was giving while he hit the grand slam um, and lots of kind of the reaction shots around that, just like the Bryce family stuff, the call uh, from BA on that moment, just all electric. And I think if I remember right, then we went to Vanguard that night to eat with all of our friends, and that was that was great too. So, yeah, special, special moment. And like you said, you know, first Brewers home up, first, first game in the stadium for both of us, we'd seen them finish off the Cubs the day before, but that was our first taste of Brewers baseball in Milwaukee. Just the whole feeling in the stadium, the energy throughout the game was fantastic. Couldn't have lived up to every kind of wildest dream I would have hoped for, for what it felt like. And yeah, being there, us being together, Jordan and Amber being with us, just awesome, awesome moment. Bacon guy, uh, I, I I didn't personally get acquainted with him, which I'm not disappointed about. But listen, it all it all added to the experience. Yeah, we didn't shake hands. I just saw the bacon. But uh, so that was your number two. My number three. Your number three, Adam. 
Um, my number three is, I believe, the 16th of September. When in the eighth inning against the Washington Nationals, Mark Hanna delivered a grand slam to blow open what was a 5-5 five, five game at that point. A game that the Brewers were really underwhelming in at a point where you just need to take care of your business. Come on, let's be serious. Let's get on with this thing. Let's not create problems for ourselves. And things were getting a little squirrely after looking pretty good. I didn't feel like it, it was a 2-1 lead through five innings. They give up three runs to the Nationals in the six, and everyone's like, oh, they've they've actually let this one get away from them. How have they, how have they done it? Mark Hanna had other ideas. And a guy that I think, again, just that we really gravitated to, who really managed to make a positive impact and embrace his experience in Milwaukee. Honestly, we've never talked about this privately or on the podcast. I do think something like we were both predisposed. Mark Hanna was there, by the way, for for <laughs> the previous moment we just talked about it. A moment we'll talk about it again. Oh, he yeah, also he was, he, wasn't he? <laughs> he shared in all these great Brewers moments, just not always wearing Brewers colors. Um, I I honestly feel like on some sort of deeper level, part of my connection to Mark Hanna, and I wonder if you feel similar, was he came in and he really embraced Milwaukee and he seemed to talk about Milwaukee with open eyes in a way that to us was completely relatable because it's the exact same experience we'd had this year where the guy comes in and he's just like, oh, this this place is even so much better than I thought. And the food is great and the people are great. And God, I love playing for this team. And then he goes and he delivers in moments like that where I think he did a lot for everyone to like him. Uh, almost everyone. I know there's one dissenting voice in our <laughs> Discord. But I think for, for you and I, without us ever even necessarily kind of rationalizing that or speaking through it, I think that's possibly part of our mark kind of bond and why a moment like that mattered too. Because it's kind of like, yeah, we're, we're obviously not that guy. We're not out there playing for the Brewers. But we could see like the Brewers experience and the getting to live in it and actually taking the joy from it and all that Milwaukee has to offer, and the kind of warmth of that. That was very much there for Marcana in a way that we got to feel in a personal way with our own Brewers and Bucks experiences earlier in the year. Yeah, that's a good point that I necessarily didn't anticipate. Uh, this I had this as my top moment. Um, I think I probably knew beforehand, but when I saw that ball leave the ballpark, I was in my mind, I was like, yeah, they won in the division. Like, they're, they're winning the division. Um, so I think that's why I put it number one. It obviously isn't the moment that, you know, I felt the most because that's a moment that we'll talk about here in a moment. But that's a that's a really good point about Canada because we had that experience months earlier and to see another guy do it uh, who's performing well and be like, hey, you know, he's making his video at what looks like a food truck rodeo uh, with his family, just like really embracing it. He's out in the off season continuing to do things like that so he's just like hey i've been traded to this place you know i'm i'm already finding a quick connection with it and i also play baseball and i'm seeing like a good dude and i just you know hit that massive homer and i think another thing that is really just like making it stick with me it's just the aftermath the great shot that i guess the 
Brewers social team got of Incredible. him sideways and the bat toss, like just so the bat it. toss is, is iconic. I mean, Bali immediately, even the shots they had, like in the moment, it's one of those two. We talk a lot about our Discord and uh, the people in the Brewers channel, the Discord, as we've mentioned lots of times, like that conversation all season, particularly during Brewers games, fuels so much of the enjoyment. And it is that feeling of, particularly for you and I, because we are far away most of the time we are not in milwaukee we're not on the ground we're not in the stadium as much as we'd like to be but we're also like not with a group of buddies just down the street from the stadium or at a bar in the city so there's an element of community to that that is the moment this year but also maybe the moment in two years where i most remember just everyone losing their mind and part of it is as you said that feeling of yeah they're gonna win the division part of us also like Carl Santana started to deliver too. And it's like, this was a team that needed clutch hitters. All of a sudden they had guys who were out there hitting like clutch hitters, not just the division, but everything felt possible at that moment. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, that brings us to our joint top moment. I'm well, going to yours is number two. Yours is number two. Oh yeah, I forgot that I I forgot that I'd made Listen, that swap well, last minute. I'll hold, gonna... I'll hold that over you forever. So don't worry, we'll revisit that later. Yeah, um... this is like the the bus all over again. <laughs> My number one moment, Andrew's number two moment, <laughs> uh, was the the final moment of our trip together in Amfam this year, which was on the fifth of April. In a game against the Mets that had not followed the tenor of the previous two, where the Brewers had just blown the doors off the New York Mets, absolutely humiliated them. The reason why that had not been the case here was Corbin Burns no-showed. Six earned runs. He looked terrible. Really, really awful Corbin outing. And at that point, we're sitting there and we're kind of dejected. And we're like, hey, look, we've got a lot of good stuff. We've seen a lot of Brewers wins in this trip. Can't get too greedy. Such is life. But they keep pulling away. They keep pulling away. They were there. They got spotted four runs in the second. So they're in a good spot. And you get to the bottom of the ninth. You're preparing for extra innings. And Garrett Mitchell had other ideas. And it is one of the, uh, obviously, this is the one and only walk-off home run I have ever seen in my entire life. But I, I don't even, I don't know if it's in my head that I said it to you or Jordan, or if it's like, if I actually did, or if it's just literally the feeling was there for a second of you're there and you're watching him. And I remember distinctly being like, he's gonna, he's gonna hit this one out of here. And the moment I had that thought, the sound off the bat, we were in a really, really great spot. We were in great seats, um, right in the thick of the action. We were just kind of to the right of the batter's box, little bit, little bit down towards first base, I suppose. We're we're right around first base, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And just the crack off the bat, and immediately, like, just like frozen in time. The, like an emotional rush at sports that I've I've never quite felt before. I think because in part I love the other sports that I watch. There's there's more build up, right? Like 
Yeah. When you go to a soccer game, the goal, like you see it develop, you're on the edge of your seat and it's like you're waiting and then it happens. Like occasionally there can be a bolt from the blue, but there is something so pure, particularly in that moment when it is a walk off and it's like one moment you've got kind of mano a mano pitcher facing a hitter and the next moment the game's over and the ball's out of here. And having seen Bryce Tarang hit his grand slam a couple of days earlier to get another one of the freshmen as they were collectively termed by the Brewers to have a moment like that and to see all of the celebrations right in front of us. A sporting moment that I genuinely, I don't think I'll forget. Just the pure rush of a walk-off home run. And to add to it, it's like it was kind of to cap off a perfect trip from a Brewer sense. And then we went to see the the Bucks beat the the Bulls like right after that. We basically went straight from there, go see Bucks Bulls, and guess what? They won too. It was good times all around. Just an all time day. And if you go back and listen to that podcast, like I'm absolutely hammered. Oh, uh, Andrew is hammered. That's right. We well, we didn't <laughs> go straight to Bucks Bulls. We went back to the hotel. We recorded a podcast uh, that Andrew had had you know many beers to warm himself up for. <laughs> and we went after that podcast to Bucks Bulls. Yeah, I, I the whole time I'm wondering if Adam's going like, you know, Andrew coughs a lot. Uh, he, you know, complains about acid reflux or like heartburn. Oh. Why has he got a coffee instead of his regular green tea? It's because I was, you know, getting myself back to back to a hundred percent. Um. But uh, Garrett Mitchell also had me at 100%. Um, I don't remember if you went through this because I was looking for the box score. But the tenor of that at bat, like in the postgame comments, he's talking about how his initial play, and I can't remember if he actually squared around once or twice, but he was going to try and bunt for a hit to be, beat the like makeshift shift on the left side of the infield. Goes down 1-2, works the count to 3-2. Adam Montevino throws a cutter that does not do everything he wanted it to do, launches the ball out of the ballpark, Brewers win. Um, yeah, I mean, your point about the buildup is, is key because I've, I've been thinking about, uh, have you, have you, I mean, I'm sure in college or something, you, you must've seen, I feel like I've asked this before too. Have you seen walk-off homers before? The only time I've got, the only time I think I've been in the ballpark for a walk-off homer, I've seen game winning homers in like a top of a ninth or like in the bottom of the eighth and they close it out immediately. Or I've seen like a walk off single or something like that. The only time I've been there for a walk off homer, I was actually by the dugout of when I was interning for the Burlington Royals and what, what I believe would have been the 2012 Appalachian League Championship. Uh, and they blew a late lead to the Elizabethan Twins. And I'm pretty sure. It was a walk-off Grand Slam homer that they lost, wow. like, the championship game. Uh, so that was the only other time. The experience is very different than what Sounds I experienced. Like <laughs> yeah, in Milwaukee. Um, yeah, it's just like you couldn't have scripted it better for us two guys. And, um, yeah, love to see it for Mitchell. Obviously, what happened to his season with the injury was unfortunate, and we're very right excited after, to see like him. Very short period yeah. after very excited to see him hopefully get a full run um, because he's shown flashes. Some of the underlying things are like, uh, 
what does this look like over 162? We got robbed of that. We didn't get to see Gary Handsome and the rest of the uh, the freshmen play together that much. Obviously, came back late in the season, and uh, we were disappointed to not see him on the playoff roster. Um, also, uh, in the, the freshman uh, documentary stuff, uh, and looking back on it, it seems like Garrett Mitchell is more like the draft eligible junior and he's two years ahead of the other guys based on where they are at the stages of their lives. So that was funny to, for some reason that popped into my mind uh, yesterday when I was watching the end of the world series when Josh spores, uh, I think it was the last batter of the game might've been just in the last inning, but he got Paven Smith uh, out to end the game and they were college teammates at Virginia spores was a junior uh, and Smith was a freshman and then I assume sports got drafted. So I was like in watching this, I was wondering like, are these like, are these guys like boys or were like they separated enough in an age in college where Paven Smith, like, like, like I couldn't, I couldn't tell you anything about Josh sports. So just one of the interesting dynamics about teams where the rosters are so large. That was a weird aside, but you know, that's how my brain works. Okay. Um, some honorable mentions. I have a few, if any, I've got a few. I mentioned Rowdy. I just I couldn't put that in as a very sincere one because I feel like there are real moments of heft. And we'll stress again, these are obviously there's some very personal elements for us. We happen to be there for those moments. I don't think we're picking nothing moments, a walk-off homer and a grand slam. Like over the course of the brewery season, those moments stand out, but definitely those two weighed a little stronger for us. Um Rowdy couldn't shoot the playoffs and relief, just you know, A plus, great fun. The comeback win over the Phillies, which was like the first September, I was in, I was in Brighton watching this very late at night. Um, I believe it was Owen Miller had just come back up. Remember the, the Phillies just kind of collapsed, and the Brewers found the energy. Yeah. And you had like Tyrone Taylor made an incredible slide at the plate. I feel like Miller ultimately walked it off. That was a game that I saw like the last three and a half innings of. And I was like, this is electric. And one where just the Brewers turned it and everything went their way. Very memorable, very fun. Uh, Abner Uribe's two-inning debut against the Reds, where he gave up a run due to, you know, some some misfortune, some bad umpiring, as I remember putting it down as at the time. But where, like, he showed everything he could do. It's like he was kind of tossed out there, and they'd know what our options. It's like, you're going two, kid. And he showed he had the goods. Like, that was immediately... It was the game where Ellie De La Cruz <laughs> stole home. So there's all these bad things going on, and it felt like the Reds were getting real momentum. And De La Cruz was about as scary as anyone could possibly beat the Brewers' hopes of winning a division at that point. And yet, kind of after the Lord Mayor's show, as the saying would go, in came Abner Uribe and just true pure gas. All the concerns over, you know, is he going to be able to control this at all that we had were just very quickly kind of gone. We're like, no, it looks like he's real. And he continued to show he was legit basically with every appearance after that. Uh, that stands out as one. And the last one I'll shout out. What was it? First July, I think. Uh, Yelly tree rolling bomb into the Allegheny. Because it would be wrong not to have a Christian Yelich moment here. And that was one of those. That was right around the point where it's like, something's happening. And then it ultimately became, oh, something has happened. Like, he has found it. He is the guy. He is the best he has been since he was the guy. 
And that's just one of the most, I think, uh, satisfying home runs you can hit in all of baseball is to hit one into the Allegheny River. So, fond memories of that one, too. Any others for you or any of those that you would have had honorable mentions to? Yeah, they definitely would have been on there. Um, some other ones for me is our watch party with the listeners, obviously, but Wade mm-hmm. Miley outdueling Max Scherzer in that uh, game, <laughs> um, which, you know. Scherzer's dragging that arm across the white lines, like I said, and you know he got his ring, so good for him. He got another ring. Uh, the sweep of the Rangers after that being swept by the Dodgers was a key moment in the season, obviously that we point to, and that uh, the Bally's uh, sports broadcast team would point to uh, to show when things kind of clicked around. Um, in terms of individual moments, those are all that really click into my mind obviously there are occurrences and things that happened but over stretches uh i'll say just like the trade deadline in general and acquiring santana and canna i think um really gave them just enough in the regular season to get things across the line obviously we needed that power and that slugging in the postseason and that didn't happen um overall i think uh it was a fun season obviously early in the year towards mid- the middle of the year when it seemed like the Brewers were the constant like team in the middle and the Pirates had their run, the Reds had their run, the Cubs made their charge, and at the end of the day, the Brewers stayed in that kind of consistent, like right there territory and eventually just late in the year took control. Um, a lot of fun times. Share your moments with us as well, and I think that's all I got for this episode. You and I have been staring across from each other for about three hours now, but. And one last one that I just thought of was when Joey Weimer needed a triple for the cycle. Was this against the Pirates, the Reds? Can't remember. I feel like it was a division opponent. And uh, he hit a second home run of the game, which just kind of mm. feels very Joey Weimer. Of course, we'd love much more of that, but he is very much like, okay, Joey, you know, triple, give me the cycle. And he's like, oops, you know, hit another home run. Um, and Weimer early on too, defensively everything, a lot of a lot of great moments. I mean, a lot of great catches we could have picked out too. There's one thing you mentioned. He had about Scherzer uh, one of the walk off hits. He did. He did. I mean, the rookie walk offs. Like, that was a storyline. Monasterio. I forgetting others. I'm sure I am. Freelick had one, right? Am I misremembering yeah, that? Solid one. I'm pretty sure. They just they delivered all season. But one last thing that I honestly, it doesn't bring me great joy, but we can't finish this podcast without doing it. You mentioned Max Scherzer getting a ring. Um, a former Brewer also did get himself a ring. Matt Bush. I, I was going to say, you might remember, you all remember him. He haunts your nightmares still. Um, he signed for the Texas Rangers in July, a week after he was released by the Brewers. Andrew, do you want to tell the people how many regular season games Matt Bush pitched in for the Texas Rangers? That's going to be a zero, Adam. In spite of that, Matt Bush made the Texas Rangers playoff roster. Andrew, do you want to tell people how many playoff games Matt Bush pitched in for the Rangers? Uh, That's zero, Adam. Uh, which roster round did he make? Because I read later that he wasn't on the World Series roster. So, like, w- during what series and versus what opponent were they like, you know what we might need? Maybe? Matt Bush. 
<laughs> Give us some homers. So <laughs> Matt, Matt Bush, world champion. Congratulations. I guess the last laugh is on all of us. The Brewers used him wrong. The secret to Matt Bush was to never pitch him at all. To just roster him and to never give him the ball. And good things will happen. Maybe that's a lesson that we can all learn from it. But yeah. I, I volunteer shout a tribute. Out, shout out Matt Bush, who has had one hell of a journey in baseball in his life. And I mean, pictures of him holding the trophy. He is he is a world champion in a very that just he feels like a quiz question more than anything else, honestly. Um, I wonder how many times that has happened, particularly over like July is not nothing to have signed. That is a long time to not be called upon as a reliever. But yeah, there we are. Matt Bush, World Series champion. What other way could we possibly end this podcast? Yeah, uh, number of pitches thrown in the World Series. George Bush, one. Matt Bush, zero. That is how we'll end it. Make sure you check out the rest of our GSPM podcast, the Eurostep Podcast Network, home to all things Milwaukee books. We've got the Eurostep with Ty Windish and Brown Cotty, Win and Six, myself and Jordan Tresky, all on the one feed. For all things Green Bay Packers, Numak and Jordan have you covered. If you want to talk pop culture, movies, other stuff like that, make time for this with myself and Andrew. This week, we ranked our respective top 10 Martin Scorsese films. And of course, just don't for, don't forget about cruising for a bruising. If you've listened for the first time somehow here, I guess probably every episode is someone's first time listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe. Never miss an episode. We'll be back to you next week. We'll see what the offseason's got in store. I feel like we will probably have news next week. We may have some other segments that we'll put together. The Brewers show is going to keep on rolling throughout the offseason, though, and so will the cruising for a bruising. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.